There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money, VSIN, the sports betting network across the network. It's been fun. This whole week, you're getting one out each hour, you're getting college football because tomorrow we drop our college football betting guide. It's awesome. Wait till you see it. Go to vsin.com slash subscribe to sign up. I'm Patrick Maher. Of course, Amal Shaw, the big guy, Dustin Sweetelson. We're going to welcome in our teammate, Zachary Cohn, who does a great job. He wrote up the Heisman Trophy preview and the college football betting guy does a great job. We'll get to that coming up in just a bit. We brought Zachary specifically to talk about the SEC. We'll get into Ole Miss and Auburn. He has a couple plays there, but we just happened to start talking about Utah and I threw the eight and a half number, which is plus money, plus 120, plus 125, somewhere in that range on Utah to go over that eight and a half. We'll start with you, Amal Shaw. I saw your eyes light up as soon as I said that eight and a half number on Utah. Well, I think the number is a little bit low. You know, we were talking about the schedule. It's challenging. You listed their road games at Baylor the second week of the season. Uh, then you got obviously UCLA, at Washington, at, Washington, at USC, yeah. at Oregon State. I mean, that's tough. They are definitely tough when you look at the games, but I'm going to tell you the fact that this team likes to run the football, play defense. Remember, they were number two in Pac-12 play last year against the run. They weren't great against the pass, and they do lose Clark Phillips from that secondary. But still, seven starters to eight starters back on defense. I think this team is not going to skip a beat. They're going to be effective. We talked about whether Cam Rising comes back in Zach. To me, that's going to be part of the key for this team. Experienced quarterback, talented, mobile, can do a lot of different things. But I really like what this team is in the trenches. And Zach has this team in the college football playoff. You mentioned Clark Phillips out, but they did get a transfer from Ole Miss, and that is Miles Battle to play cornerback. So let's start with you, Zachary. You love this Utah team. I do. And yeah, Cam Rising is a guy who's coming off a torn ACL. That'll kind of determine the season right away. You're going to know right off the bat whether or not they win some of those early season games based on whether Rising's back and ready in week one. But if he is, I love him. I think that he's a guy that we don't talk about him enough as, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in college football, but he's one that he'll outplay someone that's better than him in a big game. He's just an absolute gamer. And I really think he's, you know, the ultimate winner. But yeah, they have one of the best teams in the country in terms of the trenches, defensive line offensive line. I think that their, their secondary will be a bit better this year. So I think that the schedule is really tough for Utah. Like it's hard to even overstate that, but I think that they're going to be able to find a way to navigate through it. And I think that the PAC 12 is going to be good enough this year that even if they lose a game or two, as long as they win that PAC 12 championship, they can get into the playoff. Amal Shaw, they open August 31st. Remember, they went to Florida with the home and home and lost. That was a rough way to start a season with high expectations for Utah last year. But this is an offense in Utah. It's the run game and tight ends. So if rising's good to go off that ACL, you can kind of rely on Jackson, the quarterback turn running back, who was awesome tail end of the season last year. Uh, Devon Vale, also a very good wide receiver. Keithy, you and I were talking about the tight end who missed last year when he was playing with 
with Kincaid, he was the better wide receiver. Like he is, maybe he's undersized the tight end there at Utah as far as a pro, but he's a great college tight end. Amal. You mentioned Keithy. Forget about what he projects to at the next level. Dalton Kincaid, a first round pick by the Buffalo Bills. More importantly, what you mentioned uh, with this team and what they're capable of doing, that's what's crucial. They're so effective defensively. And here's another stat that is not going to come as much of a surprise to anybody. Number one in time of possession last year with 33 minutes a game. This is what they do. And this is how they slowed down USC in the second half, took the football away. And then you saw the adjustments in the Pac-12 championship game. They dominated the Trojans in that game, put Caleb Williams on his heels, and that really made it a challenge. I agree with Zachary. I think this team's got a great chance. And Zach also made a great point, which was, I think the Pac-12 can absorb a loss and still get in the playoff this year. With the teams we've talked talked about and I didn't include Oregon because I don't believe in their defense but these four teams excuse me at 11 and 1 and winning the Pac-12 will be in the college football playoff Mr. Cohen and yeah, I think Oregon State's another Utah. one that could have a oh, go for it Zach I was saying Oregon State's another team that's just really good in this conference. I think that I put, you know, DJ Ugolele as a like a dark horse Heisman candidate. They're a team that's really good on both sides of the ball. I think Jonathan Smith is one of the best coaches in the country. So that's another one that I just think if we leave them out a little bit amongst the elite in this in this conference. But I do think, yeah, we were just talking about the Pac-12 is really good conference this year. I just yeah, real, hate it. Yeah, go ahead. Real quick on Oregon State, I like this team a lot. Um, I'm not as high on DJ Uyunglele as you might be, Zach, but you mentioned Jonathan Smith, tremendous coach. I, I will push back on the Heisman voting on DJ Uyunglele. Oregon State's had one Heisman winner, 1962 Terry Baker. I just don't see this team being able to get enough national coverage. And by the way, by the time we get to the end of the regular season, Oregon might be a team without a conference come the 2024 season. <laughs> Very well put. Zachary Cohen does a great job joining us here. Sharp money. He's got a great write up the Heisman trophy preview in the college football betting guide that drops tomorrow. Also went over the sec. I'm sure Zachary, you've seen our buddy Lane Kiffin is in Italy and he's tweeting his trip. I I'm Dustin. I know you saw it too, but he's tweeting like literally every minute about his trip in Italy. He's got a good team here. Ole Miss. Let's start there. You're going over the seven and a half. Yeah, I just think that Kiffin's done nothing but win since get to Ole Miss. And they just brought in Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator at Alabama. I think he'll shore up that defense, which has been, you know, their weakness over the last couple of years. And I just don't see their offense having any trouble scoring. I think that Kiffin has proven he can score with anybody that he has, whether that's going to be Dart in his second year in the offense or Spencer Sanders, who's a really good dual threat transfer for them. Then they also have the best running back in the conference in Quinshaw Judkins. So I just think that this is a team that's being slept on. A bit. I don't see any reason to believe that they're going to win, you know, seven or fewer games. By the way, Patrick, I, I love the point he made about this offense, and I agree with you going over seven games there. Love Zachary Franklin on the perimeter and Trey Harris as well. But I tell you what, I think Spencer Sanders is going to end up starting the Oklahoma State transfer because of his mobility with his legs. I think he gives uh, Lane Kiffin's offense more options the way he likes to utilize the quarterback than with Jackson Dart potentially starting. Very good. Next up with Mr. Cohen here, of course, Alabama and Georgia. When you're talking SEC, those are the two teams that jump out. But I want to ask you about Auburn because you're going over the six and a half on the planes. Auburn's total. I think, I think it's a little bit too low. I think that's a team that really was impacted by how poorly a job Brian Harson did both on and off the field. I think you bring in Hugh Freeze, one of my favorite head coaches in the country, maybe not for his off field antics, but he's just a really good football coach. I think that he gets 17 uh, starters back, you know, from last year uh, brought in Peyton Thorne as a good quarterback. Who's I just think going to do a really good job of running his offense. We saw what he did two years ago when he played with a good running back in Kenneth Walker. He's going to have that again in Auburn. I just think that there's a lot of talent on this team that wasn't used correctly last year, but it will be immediately with freeze. Hey, Amal, I will just one correction. I will yeah. say Brian Harson, who was terrible as a head coach there at Auburn, had no ties where it's important to have ties to the school. Although Hugh Freeze did coach in the SEC. I will say, I will correct Zachary on one thing. If you believe the rumors, Harson did very well off the field. You see what I'm saying there? <laughs> Go ahead and just Google it just quickly. Uh, I, I'm going to say, I'll say this and Amal, you can check me. Hugh Freeze will win a national championship at Auburn. Well, 
I'll tell you why. I'm not going to necessarily sign off on that, but look, he's a great coach. Sometimes we we do this in college basketball. If you win a national title, you're a great coach. If you don't, I, I think Hugh Freeze is going to have this team very, very competitive. And I'll tell you what, this is a big, big year for Alabama because Auburn just got a five-star recruit at wide receiver that was committed previously to Alabama. Hugh Freeze, I don't know if there was McDonald's money or what was involved. Regardless, he's going down on the planes and going to be playing at Jordan-Hare. And that's the difference. He can coach off we know what he's been able to do in the past, whether it's at Ole Miss or at Liberty. I agree with you, Patrick. I think he's a tremendous coach. Zachary agrees. I, I think all three of us are universal in saying this guy can coach offense. Guys, I don't like Peyton Thorne, the Michigan State transfer. Not that Robbie Ashford is a better quarterback, but he gives you a little bit more mobility. It'll be interesting to see what they do at the quarterback position in terms of getting consistency there. Jerkwise Hunter, let's see how effective he can be running the ball because I think the running game is going to need to be effective for this team early in the season. I'm just laughing because Gene Chizik was an out-and-out -out buster, yeah. and he won at Auburn. That's Hugh Freeze true. will win at Auburn. It was hilarious when Chizik got hired there. He, he, had, he had the laptop thief, Cam Newton, and I'm going to tell you, that makes a difference. He, he was pretty good. Yeah. Cam Newton, uh, newsflash, pretty good college football quarterback. Um, before we say goodbye, two minutes here, Zachary. Let's go best value in the Heisman market. I still think it's Jordan Travis. I think I, I had it at 12 to one. I believe when I started writing up the guide, I think it's up to 14 to one. Now. I just think that of the players that are the chalkier options, he's by far the best one. I think he's got a loaded group of wide receivers, uh, you know, a much better offensive line than what we've grown used to at Florida state. And then you add in the fact that he's probably one of the best running backs in the running quarterbacks in the country. That's the type of thing that Heisman, you know, lives on. If you want a guy that can run the football, make big plays, I think he'll do that. And I think he'll be doing it for a Seminoles team that I think is going to win at least 10 games and be a threat to make the college football playoff. Patrick, I want to go one step further. Florida State's going to be in the college football playoff. When you look at the trio with this wow. team offensively, Johnny Wilson at 6'7", 235, 240 pounds, absolute nightmare matchup on the perimeter. You add in Keon Coleman, who's a potential all-league wide receiver transferring from Michigan State. And then, of course, you mentioned Jordan Travis being a dual threat. And Trey Benson is an all-league type of running back. Him or Will Shipley are going to be the first team running back in the ACC, just depending on whose team wins that game in Death Valley. I love the Seminoles team. You know, uh, Dustin made a great point. He said he wasn't sure about Mike Norvell a year ago. I tend to agree. The Florida State Seminoles, unlike Texas, they are back. Are you in agreement? Just 30 seconds, Zachary. Are you as high on Florida State as Amal Shaw is? Yeah, I had Florida State as one of my four college football playoff teams. That's a spoiler alert for the guide. But, yeah, I'm really high on them. I think Norvell's a great coach, and I think that the talent that he has on this roster is ridiculous. Zachary Cohen does a great job. You just heard one of his final four teams. You can go check out the guide tomorrow. It drops vcin.com slash subscribe to get the other three. Also a tremendous, I got a chance to read it today, a tremendous Heisman Trophy preview from Zachary. Zachary, thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Okay, there you go. Zachary Cohen. We've got Greg Camarillo at the bottom of the hour and Greg McElroy coming up. But next... Dustin Sweetelson, the big guy's got some splaining to do. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You also get unlimited access to our vsin.com slash picks page. Remember, if you want that college football betting guide, you get everything that I'm talking about right now, that being the picks, which I know most of you come to the network for. Sort the picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check the top VSIN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, ROI, and see which VSIN expert has the hot hand. Check out all the subscription offers over at vcin.com slash subscribe. There's going to be something there that matches up with what you want. Okay. So make sure you check it out. Now we are packed. We've got Greg Camarillo, former Stanford wide receiver. He's a PAC 12 network analyst coming up. We'll talk football in just about 14 minutes with him. Then Greg McElroy is going to join. He does a hell of a job. The former Alabama quarterback, he's going to join, obviously talk a little Alabama. I will say this. As we welcome you back, hope you're having a good Wednesday. I'm Patrick Maher, of course, Amal Shaw and Dustin Sweetelson. Dustin, you sent me these texts. Fellas, I, as a better, and this is this goes back years and years, Amal Shaw, you and I are close to the same age. The only thing I really care about is tell me the teams and give me the number. Set the line and tell me the teams. Because I know everybody's tripping out about the conferences and who's going where. We just got this. Florida State trustee Drew Weatherford said, quote, it's not a matter of if we, Florida State, leaves the ACC, but how and when we leave. And that was Brett McMurphy, who's legit reporting that. Like the conference realignment, I know it bothers a lot of people. And you brought up your friend talking about losing out on a rivalry for a better. I got to be honest with you. I really don't care. No, as a better, it's irrelevant. I mean, it could be every team's an independent. It makes no difference. I mean, just sometimes, you know, you like some of the rivals just based on geography and other things. But other than that, these things are absolutely irrelevant to me. Oh, it's all offensive right now. We're, we're, it's offensive that teams have 14 teams in them and we're calling them 10 or 12 and they have 18. Like, can we change the names of the leagues at least to, re, to, who, to who represent cares? how many schools are yeah, in who it? Who cares? Well, so, let me stupid. ask you a question. How many teams are in the Big Ten right now? I like 14. Okay. No, there's about four. Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Oh, touche. <laughs> the big guy walked right into I, that I, mouse I just, trap. I just realized Drew Weatherford. I didn't realize when I sent that text. Drew Weatherford is the former quarterback who couldn't beat out Xavier Lee, and they kept He's rotating that. He's his <laughs> best friend. Hey, by the way, let me, me tell you something, guys. No matter what prediction you give, nothing will ever be worse than my call that Chris Ricks would win a Heisman Trophy. Oof. Oof. You remember what he got in trouble for? He's a bad dude. He was know. stealing handicapped parking spots. Remember that? Vaguely. I, Go, Google it, kids. <laughs> Guy was a clown. Um, all right. This is, uh, this is just impromptu, but we just talked about we've got Camarillo talking Pac-12. We've got Greg McElroy talking SEC. We've got Spritzer with some football plays with the guide. But I got to throw this on you, big guy. I, I was thinking last night because there was a weird Max Scherzer quote that came out about meeting with the general manager and ownership of the Mets. The Mets have turned into a 30 for 30. Like this two-year ride with Cohen and where the Mets are with dumping Verlander and Scherzer, this is turning into a pretty big story. And they unloaded that team, the team that had the highest payroll in baseball this year. The expectations were sky high. Like, here's what I'm asking of you. You're a Mets fan. How did we get here? 
Yeah, um, so I've been doing, like, a lot of reflecting because, like, I feel kind of <laughs> numb to this stuff at this point with the Mets. Like, I I always go in with high expectations when they have high expectations, but I always know in the back of my mind, like, they're going to let me down. So I've been trying to reflect on why I have this weird indifference but depression about them and not quite as excited about the prospect hall that everyone else is is kind of into. And, like, I'm thinking a lot. Like, I actually went back last night. You're going to think I'm crazy. I went back and started watching Steve Cohen's introductory press conference from 2020. Why? Because I, I want to make sure I didn't mishear things that I thought I was hearing. So what, what, what in particular were you looking for from Cohen? Well, so when, when he was brought in, he was the prince that was promised. We were told he was the anti Wilpons. And for those that don't know, Fred Wilpon bought ownership of the Mets. He was a 50% owner beginning in like 1986 ish. Bought out the Double Days, became sole owners, and him and his son, Jeff, ran the Mets for a long time. Uh, I want to say their first year of sole ownership was like 01, where they ran things. Um, and in 01, the Mets went out and had arguably the best offseason the back pages of the New York media has ever had. They traded for Mo Vaughn. They traded mm. for future Hall of Famer Roberto Alomar. They brought in an all-star in Roger Cedeno, who stole like 50-something bases for your Tigers the year before. Jeremy Burnitz came back to the organization after being like a four-time all-star with Milwaukee. And they brought in a couple of aces from Colorado and, and San Fran in Sean Estes and Pedro Estacio. It was a huge splash. And they did nothing. Alomar became a 265 hitter. Mo Vaughn lasted two seasons in the league. The team fell apart. They had to sell all the pieces. And they were a 70-65 win team for the next few years. We get to 2005. You remember 2005. Carlos Beltran. He comes over. Kind of like Francisco Lindor coming over when Steve Cohen bought the team. I think there's parallels there. Switch hitter from a bad organization into the big market. They bring in Pedro Martinez. He's supposed to legitimize things. That core goes on a run. They make it to the NLCS where they lose an 06 to the Cardinals. That team then doesn't make the playoffs again. They have to tear it down and start over. Notice a trend here. They make a lot of acquisitions. They have a lot of hype behind them and they have to tear it down and they have to start it over. Right. Well, then 2015 comes by a surprise because see, when you lose the a lot, dark night, when, when you lose a lot, guys, you get high draft picks and you're able to sell off pieces like trading Carlos Beltran to the Giants for Zach Wheeler. You draft in the first round, Matt Harvey. You trade R.A. Dickey, who you wasted. And by the way, also wasted Johan Santana's prime before that. But you wasted R.A. Dickey becoming a Cy Young and you trade him for Noah Syndergaard and Travis Darno. You find Steven Matz. You create Jacob deGrom, who, by the way, was an infielder. The Mets created him as a pitcher. And you go to 2015, you somehow make the World Series and rightfully lose to a Royals group that had been through the grind, that had figured it out, had to get over the hump. But you thought, you have young, controllable pitching. Surely enough, the ownership, the Wilpons, will put the right pieces and buy the right bats to go with this young, controllable, cheap pitching. They made the postseason the next year. They lost the wildcard game to the Giants, and they became a middling organization again, having to sell off pieces because of the Bernie Madoff scandal because they didn't have the money to buy teams, but they had to tear it down again and trade all those guys for pieces. Why am I bringing this up? I was told Steve Cohen was going to be different from the Wilpons. We're already into this project of him owning his favorite sports team, and he's buying the pieces and tearing them down already in just a couple of seasons. This is not what we signed up for. He's supposed to be one of us, a fan that wants to win. Now they're talking about rebuilding, and the target is 2025, 2024? No, no, no. You're not punting next year. You're not punting next year. You're going to get Otani. You're going to buy the best team money can buy because that's what you promised us you were going to do. You, he said, I watched it in his introductory press conference. He said, if I don't win a World Series in the next three to five years, I'll be disappointed. Get ready to be like the rest of us, Uncle Stevie. Disappointed because you're exactly like the Wilpons and nothing like what we were promised. I would just like to point out what a loser fan base Mets fans are. <laughs> I simply impromptu Amal Shaw asked Dustin Sweetelson what went on during the trade deadline over the last, what, 24 hours with the New York Mets trading away Verlander and Scherzer. And we just got a diatribe about the Wilpons, Bernie Madoff, and a bunch of loser rhetoric.
You're absolutely right about that. And by the way, I don't think Bobby Axelrod's going to help you win anything. The show Billions is loosely based on Steve Cohen. Uh, you know, listen, if you insider trade, you can always do well. I don't know if that $900 million fine and that $900 million uh, uh, return of money that was required. I don't know how you do that in Major League Baseball, how you can circumvent things. So, But I, I, hold on. I just want to ask uh, Dustin a question. You all loved what Cohen did. You loved that you had the highest payroll in Major League Baseball. You yeah. loved the Verlander yeah. and Scherzer signing. How can you blame the freaking owner? This isn't the Will Ponds. It's completely different. It's exactly like the Will Ponds. You're, you're being short-sighted here. You're going on these very short runs and trying to start over, and when it doesn't work out, getting annoyed and starting over again. This team needs to be a sustainable winner. I don't see how trading Justin Verlander helps you in that regard. Because like, you're not paying him $83 million, and he's exactly. going to eventually fall off a cliff. But you're still paying part of his salary to play for another team. Well, That's bad business. I don't let, care. Let me, let me tell you something. Hold on prospects? a second. Hold on a second. At some point in time, you got to cut your losses. And you take, if you if you buy a property and you can't sell it, eventually you say, you know what, I'll take pennies on the dollar. He's pitching fine. He's still a frontline starter. He's going to You want to keep Scherzer too? No, he stinks. You don't want to get off the Scherzer mistake? <laughs> he stinks. He, like, he stinks. He needed to be off the roster because he didn't, we didn't need him to opt in for next year. And that 40 something million potentially stopping them from getting Otani. That's, Shohei, that's half of what I want to pay Shohei Otani next year. Look, good news in New York. They've gone now out of, Outside of the, including this year, you know, minus the 09 year, they've gone 45 out of 46 seasons without a World Series between the two teams. I'm just laughing because I was just looking to take a nice, clean, easy break from college football. We're getting back into it with Greg Camarillo next and talking Pac 12. I asked you one question about the Mets and I got a history lesson, and you're going to have a cardiac arrest. We're coming back. It's sharp money. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, download the DraftKings app now. If you're a new customer, bet $5, get $150 in bonuses instantly. The way to do it, use the promo code VSIN, B S I N. Again, DraftKings Sportsbook, five bucks for new customers to get $150 in bonuses instantly. We got you back here. Dustin Sweetelson has settled down. I won't ask about the Mets again. That was my B. Uh, Amal Shaw, Patrick Maher, Sharp Money, V Sin. We were talking about the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 is back, which is interesting because they're about to tear it apart. And we're going to bring in the great Greg Camarillo, of course, former Stanford wide receiver, Pac-12 network analyst, at Catch Camarillo on Twitter. First off, Greg, thank you, buddy. It's great to see you. And these are exciting times for a league that's taken a lot of shrapnel over the last, I don't know, decade or so. The Pac-12 is back, baby. Yeah, I mean, at least for the time being. And so, uh, you know, I've been I've been following all the news of the conference realignment, all the media rights deals, um, and just trying to figure out what's happening with the Pac-12. But also diving into the football teams because for the Pac-12, I mean, UCLA, USC, we're it's still the Pac-12 right now. And there are some good football teams. And I think that, you know, the, the years of not having a championship contender that have led to this conference realignment um, might drastically change a- a after this season. Cause they, you know, between USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon, PAC 12 has some dogs and I, and I, I'm eager to see how the season goes. You played at Stanford. Uh, I have to ask you about the program right now. Where do you see them going? What's the situation right now? I mean, it, this is a team that just felt up. Absolutely fell off a cliff, it seems like. Yeah. Um, the good news is I don't think they're going down any further because they've, they, you know, they're pretty much <laughs> at the bottom. Um, it's just, you know, as, as an alum, we've been through, you know, the ups and downs of Stanford football. And it used to be a program where it was just like, you know, every couple of years you make a bowl, all good. And then Harbaugh and Shaw took the program to new heights where it was like you were actual a BCS contender. Um, and that now has gone the opposite direction. And it's hard to maintain that recruiting level, that talent level at Stanford uh, because of academic restrictions, because they have been behind in an NIL game, because uh, the transfer portal and Stanford don't really go hand in hand. Uh, unfortunately, they're going to have a rough year. And, and, you know, those odds say it all right there. They, I think, have the least amount of returning snaps in all of Division One football or all of uh, – um, FBS football, 
They're lacking talent. You know, they have a new coach. They have a new system. No one's expecting much from them this year. And that's really the only thing they've got going is that, you know, we've got new guys, no expectations. You might be able to sneak up on some folks. Yeah, it's going to be an uphill battle. Greg Camarillo joining us, as you mentioned, as an alum of Stanford. You mentioned Harbaugh and then David Shaw, who did an amazing job there. Troy Taylor, can you tell us something about the new coach? He had a successful stint at Sacramento State. We did a great job, but this is a big step up for the new coach there at Stanford as well. Yeah, so I got a chance to meet with Troy Taylor and his staff covering their spring game. Uh, It was a lot lot of excitement. You know, after, oh man, I think it was 12 years of David Shaw. You know, I might be off on that. Um, There's new energy, you know, and and a lot of respect for David Shaw for for climbing the program so high and then knowing when it was time to tap out and say, you know what, done what I can do. It was an amazing ride. Time for some new blood in here. So Troy Taylor's offense, it worked at a high school level. It worked at the, uh, the lower level of colleges. And now it's time to see if it can work at a, at, at the Pac-12 level, at a Power Five level. And what he describes it as, uh, it's a hybrid spread offense. And so he's got flexibility with receivers, flexibility with quarterbacks. Is not he doesn't describe it as your standard uh, route read to reading space. They're reading defenders and where the space is available. Which, as a former receiver, you know we're talking about throwing the ball. We're talking about getting to adapt. We're talking about a fast-paced offense that'll go no huddle. So hurry up. They'll go no huddle, but slow it down and call plays just from, uh, from the sideline. And then they'll go traditional huddle. So to be able to do so many different things on offense and be able to adjust and run my route based on the space, the defense is giving, uh, it sounds awesome. And I hope that it can work. It's proven that it can work at the past at Sacramento state. He had a lot of success, uh, Folsom high school. He had a lot of success. It's the test is, can this work at Stanford with the tools they have? Can it work at the PAC 12 level? Uh, you know, at, at worst, we get to see some excitement in a new offense. Uh, they got Hawaii <laughs> first up and it'll be an immediate test. All right. Good job, Greg. I like the positive spin. Amal, I'll let you ask your question, but just quickly over at DraftKings, Stanford's win total set for the regular season at three, Mr. Shaw. Yeah, so we've established Greg doesn't believe Troy Taylor and company are going to win the league in the first year. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Who do you think is probably a team you would select? I mean, there's several good options here, but give me an argument for which team you would pick to win the league this year. All right. So, I mean, SC is clearly the the one that, you know, you've got a returning Heisman winner. uh, You've got all kind of weapons. So I'm going to just pass on them because I want, I want to, I want to, I don't want to, I want to think outside the box. I don't want to go straight with SC Uh, and I'm looking at Washington. I'm going to drop a couple spots lower because of Michael Penix jr. Returning. uh, I mean, he was lighting up the skies last year and then he's got his strong receiving core that comes with him. And so not only do you have this dynamic quarterback, you've got two of the best receivers in the PAC 12 that are, that are going to be with him. Uh, And that is, that is, that to me is going to cause more surprises than SC. We know SC is outstanding. And if you look at their SC schedule, they, like shouldn't even have a challenge until uh, six yeah. games in. So, um, but Washington, I like, I like them to sneak up on folks and and, and push uh, for a Pac-12 title. We like it, Greg, because I'm taking a look right now. Washington is your third betting favorite to win the conference at plus three twenty. You mentioned Penix Jr. Those wide receivers are legit. And speaking of one, you were one. Let me ask you about an injury. Okay. Seven years in the NFL, not just Stanford for you, Greg, but how about cam rising Cameron rising at Utah? It, what was it? The Rose bowl in January he popped his ACL and he's going to be ready to go at the end of August. Is this something, do you, con, do you consider that viable? Yeah. So I, uh, I tore an ACL. Oh man. I want to say either had surgery or tore my ACL December 9th or 10th of a season and then came back in camp that following end of July and August. And now as a wide receiver, that's more difficult because you need to be more explosive. I'm not saying I pulled off something more difficult. I'm just saying it'll be an easier chance getting back on the field because we're looking at quarterback drops. Uh, We're looking at planting and throwing as opposed to full speed planting, turning the other way. Um, So I think he can be back to the level. He will not be this. He will not have the same explosiveness. Um, He was very crafty and just coming up with plays last year when the team needed something, he handled business. So he's going to have to lean on being more of a traditional quarterback to get rolling. But by the time September comes around, by the time October comes around, he'll feel good. Uh, he won't have the same explosion, but he'll feel good. And this is the team's leader. Like they, you know, he is the personality of their team. So even if he's not a hundred percent, 
he needs to be out there. Um, and so, you know, they, they also have a strong chance of at pushing for another title. Uh, and a lot of that's because of Cam Rising. Greg, I disagree with you. I think you did pull something off that Cam didn't. You got into Stanford. I mean, let's be real here. Very few people are. Um, when you look at this league, I think the experience, when you look at USC with Williams, Bo Nix at Oregon, Penix, as you mentioned, at Washington, Cam Rising at Utah. Tell me about the importance of having that experienced quarterback in college football and what it can mean to a team early on. Yeah, and a lot of that is, um, you know, the, the leadership. So in college, your leadership is huge because, uh, you know, you're not you're not looking at all pros that have the same pro mentality. You're looking at college guys where you need to build that mentality. And if your quarterback is an experienced guy that is a leader, hopefully a locker, a locker room leader, not just a leader on the field, that brings everybody else along with it. Uh, and also there's so much less time in college to learn plays, to learn a playbook, to build that um, that chemistry and the pros you have all off season, you know, there's rules as to when you can be in the facility and not, but you have pretty much the whole time you can gather, learn plays, build chemistry, go out together in college. These guys have school, they have summer school. It's way more important to have that chemistry established, to have a quarterback that knows the playbook in and out established right away. Uh, and if you look at those PAC 12 odds of who could win, all of them have strong returning quarterbacks. And then the next one uh, is Oregon state who has a, a Clemson transfer quarterback, DJ. Oh man. I practice saying his name. Um, you could do it. You can do DJ, it. Quarterback. Ooh, I believe you nailed it. Uh, you nailed it. Yeah, I got to work on that. I'll get better at that. <laughs> uh, but you know, they have these veteran quarterbacks and there's a reason why they're at the top of the list because that veteran quarterback means so much. See, Patrick, I knew he made a mistake going to Stanford because if he went to an SEC school, he would never have mentioned school. Don't have to go. <laughs> so you know he had a you, you know he had a choice. He could have gone to Harvard. He could have gone to Stanford. It kind of looks like my resume coming out of high school. <laughs> anyway, Greg Camarillo, of course, former standout, not just Stanford, but the NFL. Pac-12 Network analyst at Catch Camarillo on Twitter. We're going to talk to you during the season. Look forward to it, Greg. Thank you so much. Right. Appreciate you, fellas. Thank you. Yeah, that is uh, that dude's a smart. He's a quick dude. Good athlete as well. He mentioned the ACL. Great point by him as far as those quick cuts. You know, it's different for a running back and a quarterback. However, with rising, I mean, that is an offense built around the run, and he's a part of that and, and throw into the tight end, as we mentioned. So it, that's an early, it's a tough schedule to start for Utah. So he's going to have to be ready to go come the end of the month. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. You mentioned the road game against Baylor. I, I think they'll be okay whether he goes or not in that first game against Florida. Greg McElroy does a hell of a job. He's talking local in Tuscaloosa now. Also ESPN. He joins us next. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, we got a national champ coming up, a dude that wakes up super early. So looking forward to Greg McElroy. But first, who will win the Heisman Trophy? Who will be in the college football playoff, the final four? Which teams will surprise and which teams will disappoint? All of those questions and more can be answered by reading the 2023 VSIN College Football Betting Guide, detailed team previews, picks. Best bets from our writers, hosts, and DraftKings personalities, all just a few clicks away. Become a VEASAN pro today. Remember, it's dropping tomorrow. There's so much information with the transfer portal, new head coaches. Make sure you check it out. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe to grab the guide. Okay, Greg McElroy. I mentioned he gets up early. Mac and Cube on Jocks 94 Five, of course, the former Alabama quarterback at Greg McElroy on Twitter. Also check out the podcast, of course, ESPN. Greg, first off, thank you. And I, I have, I'll have i fanboy out a little bit because I was a huge fan of yours when you were on for years on Sirius XM. So let me ask you the difference. You've been asked this a million times, but the difference in doing you know, what you would consider now to be local radio along with ESPN and then on the Sirius platform, was, which was national. How would you kind of contrast the two? You know, it's funny um, with where local's gone. It, I mean, it's become more national with apps and streaming services and video elements to the show. So, you know, I always thought, you know, national and local, but I actually think that we've kind of changed a little bit where niche programming is really beneficial. Like you guys do that, right? I actually think, you know, Brent and I might have actually had this discussion <laughs> at some point like eight or nine years ago where you want to be kind of niche because you want your audience to, to care about what it is you're doing. I think it's why podcasts have grown, your platform at VEASAN has grown. So uh, I think local and, and national both have a lot of benefits, but I've really enjoyed going local and, and really covering and, and diving in deep on college football daily. Greg, give us a pulse of what it's like in the state of Alabama. You're based in Birmingham. You played for Alabama. You won a national championship. Your co-host Cole Kublik played at Auburn. I mean, people who don't realize the Iron Bowl is 365 days a year. Just take us into what the intensity is like within that state, and especially with the Crimson Tide being so dominant for the last 15 years. Well, and Auburn has a little momentum, too. So with what Hugh Freeze has done and some of the recruiting progress he's made, I mean, just in the last week, he's flipped a couple of high-profile recruits from Georgia, and then he had a high-profile flip from Alabama. So uh, I, I think – Right now, the rivalry has obviously been a little one-sided in recent years. But when I was in high school, I mean, Auburn was on the heels of a six-game winning streak against Alabama. So, you know, that was from 03 to probably to 02 all the way through 2007. So it was it was a kind of a weird rivalry that went back and forth. But man, it is it's intense. Like everybody, Michigan, Ohio State, and I lived in Cincinnati for a little bit, played here with the Bengals. Uh, Ohio State and Michigan's massive. I'm not trying to say it's not. I think the schools are huge. In Alabama, you don't get the option of being a Michigan State fan. Like you pick one or the other, and <laughs> whatever one you pick is perfectly fine. If you pick neither, they both hate you. But basically, it's one of the. They ask you what your name is. They ask you where you're from, and they ask you who you pull for. It, it's. I'm not. And you think I'm kidding? That is God's honest truth with the importance of the rivalry and, and the sport here in the state. Greg McElroy, national champ, Mac and cube, 94, five jocks. Of course, always college football is the podcast over at ESPN. We were having a little fun before he came on. Let's talk about Auburn. Look, if Gene Chizik did work on the planes, I think Hugh freeze, Hugh freeze is very polarizing, but he's going to get it done there. Like give me six and a half to the number this year. You know what that means? Seven wins. If you go over, you're a winner. If I told you six and a half is the win total on Auburn, where are you going, Greg? Well, it's a really, I think it's a really well set line. I've seen it seven in some places. If it was seven, that's, that's probably the number. And you look, go through the schedule. I think it's manageable. The sec West is a gauntlet this year. And really every game for Auburn is losable. 
There, there are a few that are winnable. There are a couple that are not. For instance, Georgia, probably not winnable in year one. But most of the others have a pretty good chance of being highly competitive. But where do you see them stacking up right now? Now, the roster turnover has been pretty remarkable. If you told me gun to head right now, Greg, six and a half, you had to pick a side, I'm saying under. But I, I think it's going to be right there with, with the swing game potential basically hinging on an upset. I mean, I think Ole Miss is ahead of them in their program development. Mississippi State brings back a lot of personnel, even though they're changing their identity a little bit. Arkansas brings back some weapons, but have some concerns on defense. AM, I think, bounces back in a big way this year. I really like the over there, even though that number's at eight and a half. LSU has as good a roster as anybody. Alabama, I think people are underselling just their demise in general. So I think if you had Auburn seventh in the SEC West, it would be okay. I still think all seven are going bowling. So that means you're you're sitting there on the fence in the final week of the season in the Iron Bowl hoping for an upset and potentially give you that over ticket. You mentioned the Crimson Tide, Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson. Who do you believe ends up as the starter there? Alabama's season win total set at 10, 10 and a half, depending on where you get it. I don't see a scenario where this team loses three games. Is it at worst 10 and two this year? Uh, I think that's the absolute floor. And, just, and part of it is just where the games are played. You have LSU in your backyard. Yes, you go to Texas A&M. That will be a really difficult game. You have Texas, but that game's at home. So most of the difficult games or the more difficult games will actually be in Tuscaloosa. Road trip to Auburn, tough spot naturally. But you also have to go to Mississippi State, which is a sneaky, difficult setup game. Tennessee comes to you. So I, I think Alabama, I have a really hard time seeing them going under 10. I mean, I, if anything, I, even at 10 and a half, I take the over. I think the juice in the under, the narrative about the program being in a spiral on the way down, I disagree with. There's a really young nucleus that played a lot last year that didn't quite know how to get over the hump and didn't quite know how to do things the way they're supposed to be done all the time. On the field, that is, as far as just paying attention to the details and preparation, they're pretty excited about their team. Uh, of course, a lot of it will hinge on quarterback play. And Ty Simpson, as of right now, is the favorite to be the opening day starter in Vegas. Uh, not a lot of people were talking about him a couple weeks ago. I was asked who I thought it was going to be. I'm not saying I moved the market by any stretch. I don't know. But I was, I felt redeemed when I saw the numbers come out the next week and people said Ty Simpson plus 105, Jalen Milrow plus 300 and Ty Buckner somewhere around plus 150 or so. So I was relieved that Vegas saw it the way I saw it, uh, to be honest with you, because I felt like I had kind of taken a chance there because he was kind of getting lost in the shuffle. But I expect him to move more to a run first style of attack. They control the line of scrimmage and have that game manager quarterback that they had early in the Saban tenure, more so than what we've seen probably the last couple of years where it's been more quarterback centric. So uh, I think they're going to be really good. I, I really do. And I think people are really underselling them uh, as it relates to the college football pecking order, because we're still talking about a team that's one and one against Georgia in the last two years. And that's a pretty good record against the defending two-time national champion. Greg McElroy casually spitting out market numbers. He's going to get a job here at VEASAN if we're not careful. Uh, Steve Spurrier, you know what he did in Columbia. There should be books written about it. I mean, it's not. It's like it, unbelievable uh, what he did there in South Carolina. Shane Beamer, can I get your thoughts? I went to school there. That's why I'm asking you selfishly. I, can, you get, can you give me your thoughts on Shane Beamer? Eight wins last year. They're set at six and a half this year. Kind of your thoughts on Beamer and then overall South Carolina this year. The number scares me at six and a half, doesn't it? You, I mean, you win eight last yes, year does. and you know, it's kind of like, Ooh, what do they know? Right. And they do need some guys to emerge on defense. There's a lot of momentum that's been created on the recruiting trail. Actually, just yesterday, they landed a five-star prospect. Yep. So they're doing some good things and, and there is some momentum off the field, but the inconsistencies of last year's team remain. Now I'm cautiously optimistic. They'll be better. But I also think there are some really challenging games in the schedule. I mean, can you get Georgia? I don't see that one as likely. Kentucky, can you handle Tennessee the way you handled them last year? Are you going to get Clemson the way you got them last year? I mean, that's four teams right now that are ahead of South Carolina, not to mention a Missouri team that, that beat them up badly last year. And people are kind of sleeping, I think, on Mizzou a little bit, too. So I it's a difficult number for me to gauge. I would stay away from South Carolina, but I am optimistic about what's coming for Shane Beamer here in the future because it does feel like a program on the rise. 
Greg, we know you get up early. We appreciate you. It's annoying how good you're on TV and the radio for people that only do this and didn't win a national championship. So thank you so much. It's Jocks94.5 at Greg McElroy on Twitter. Mac and Cube, also the podcast. Always college football with Greg McElroy, ESPN and Omaha Productions. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate you. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And the much. way he was talking about the mark, dude, he was throwing around market numbers. Like you can what? tell he likes to get down. I like to hear that. First of all, he's so good on ESPN. He's one of those oh, he's guys. tremendous. I, I love listening to him and watching him. He's, he just knows what's going on. And another thing that's great is genuinely unbiased, right? Like, I mean, look, I got to throw Desmond Howard under the bus. The, Michigan could be playing the 85 Bears. He's like, yeah, Michigan by 75. Did you notice, big guy, how that turned into jocking Greg McElroy and taking shots at Michigan from Amal Shaw, the Ohio Always. State grad? Because you mentioned yeah. Dylan Stewart, the kid who signed with South Carolina over Ohio State. I was a bit perturbed. Five star. Yeah, Five star. Thank Horse you. It's a huge a get for Beamer. Big time get. Huge get. It's annoying how good McElroy is with the media. Ugh. <laughs> Save some for us. <laughs> Scott Spritzer's next. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.